0: And that's a brilliant effort and they've turned it right around.
1: Episode 3 of Dowdy, the Saudi football podcast by Arab News. After another eventful week in the SPL. And a massive thanks to you, our listeners, as well as we basically went well over 1 million views on social media for our brand new podcast. Absolutely fantastic. And as always, we appreciate the support. With me as always is our new sports editor Ali Khaled. And joining us today to discuss a remarkable summer transfer window will be our old friend and renowned sports journal and broadcaster Ben Jacobs. First up, it is AK. There's no let up in the action and the transfer movement, Ali.
0: Hi, Peter. Good to be back again uh, for our third episode. Um, yeah, it's been another busy week for the Saudi clubs. Uh, I mean, big result on Tuesday. Uh, Al Nasser uh, beat Shabab Al-Ahli of uh, Dubai 4-2 to secure their spot in the, the AFC Champions League group stages, uh, but they were very close to being eliminated. I mean, they were 2-1 down with two, with two minutes to go. Uh, yes. um, the, the brilliant uh, UAE striker, Yahya al-Ghassani has scored twice for, uh, uh, for Shabab al-Ahli. And Al Nasser was struggling it really looked like they were going to be knocked out uh, before, like, you know, just, With two minutes uh, to go, Sultan Al Ghanam equalised, and then Teliska and uh, Marcelo Brozovic, uh, the 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 new signings, made it look quite comfortable for two. But it was anything but comfortable. Uh, It was a desperately needed win for Al Nasser, who had lost both Mm their you know uh, league matches, as you know, Uh, you know, even at this early stage you know I'm not elimination from the Champions League you know would have cost I think would have cost their coach Luis Castro his job I- even just a few matches into the season and despite the fact that they won the King Salman Cup so so like you know really really welcome win uh you know there's really there's been obviously some really exciting games in uh, match day 2 which we will get to and uh you know the obviously the big news of the of the week was Neymar's unveiling by Al Hilal where well, our very own Arab news reporter Khaled Al arafa was the MC on the night, uh, so we'll hear from him later as well.
1: He's a star in the making, as our Khaled. We love <laughs> it when we're, we get we, when we get to hear from him. Uh, such a such a great voice as well for the football. The excitement comes over. Love having him part of the show. Great stuff. Uh, let's discuss the highlights, Ali, of SPL Week Two after the euphoria of Neymar's appearance. The result wasn't quite what Al halal would have wanted
0: yeah i mean it was obviously an incredible crowd uh, showed up uh, for al Nasser's uh, uh sorry for al hilal's first match of the season and uh, neymar was unveiled uh, ma- massive excitement lots of people buying the, the shirt in 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 the club store uh but the game didn't go according to plan it finished 1-1 and um yeah it, it's it, it's it was disappointing after like you know all the hype and the excitement and um you know we spoke last week and the week before about al hilal coming back strongly to defend the title they lost uh you know you know they they do see themselves as the biggest club in saudi the biggest club in asia uh, so they wouldn't have been too too impressed with that uh, with that result but you know it's early days yet and um you know they they will be looking for improvement this week and obviously over the next coming weeks. But, all, but we also have to remember the slight disappointment as well that Neymar will be out for a few more weeks. You know, he's not, I mean, his, his uh, debut is not imminent. You know, elsewhere, you know, champions Al-Ittihad won their second match of the season. They beat Al-Tai 2-0. We expected that. They they remain top of the league. Um, Al-Ahli, who didn't have Roberto Firmino this week, uh, beat Khalid 3-1. Um, uh, the last goal coming uh, very late on. So it was a, t- a tight match. Uh, Riyad Mahrez also scored a lovely second goal. Uh, so they're on six points. He's settled and...
1: well, Maros, hasn't he?
0: He has, yes. And, you know, like, uh, you know, great start for the season. I mean, you know, Al-Ahli is one of uh, Saudi Arabia's biggest clubs, but, you know, they are newly promoted as well, let's not forget. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the stories of the seasons are Etifaq. Uh, Steven Gerrard's yeah. team doing really well. Uh, they've got six points as well from their two matches. Um, so, you know, not unexpected. You know, they were expected uh, an improvement, but uh, they remain in third place as well.
1: Some fantastic footage, Ali, of our own Arab News footage uh, and, and images and pictures of, of Gerrard. calming his players down because they were celebrating and shouting his name in the chain. He said, guys, he was saying, guys, it's only two games in, but it, it looks a real togetherness there.
0: Yes, I think uh, you know he would. Uh, uh, he'd point also to the presence of Jordan Henderson, which he he called after the first uh, first match of the season. He called that's you know he's like a coach and the leader on the pitch, you know. And you would imagine you know all that experience that Jordan Henderson brings to the to the team, but also a great presence uh, as a as a captain. And as you say, like bringing all the players together. And this is an angle I think that Gerard and Henderson, uh, you know. Really focus on as well.
1: Absolutely, listen as well. a Great, great boon to me to see the teams of, of, of players that I know as well, uh, the likes of Fire, um, uh, Al Taun, and, and Al Fatah in the chasing pack. Great to see, um, and it's not just about the big clubs to start to this season.
0: That's right. Yeah, I mean, you know, if I have Taun and Al Fatah, as you mentioned, they're all on four points. Uh, you know, they're uh, you know um, Al Hilal are fourth, and you know these three teams are in the next three uh, spots. So, good start to the season. You know, obviously, we'll see how things progress. You know, there's always, um, you know, a few clubs, you know, that are quick off the mark at the start of the season and then they're, they're form maybe, like, uh, plateaus a little bit. Uh, but, you know, so far, so good for the for, for these clubs. And Attao, in particular, did really well last year. And um, so, they, uh, you know, it's good to see them start well again.
1: Absolutely. Okay, now at this point, we're going to welcome our transfer market expert Ben Jacobs for the first time to Dowdy. Ben, a very warm welcome. Absolutely brilliant to have you along. As we said at the top of the show, looking forward to this bit,
0: Ben. Um, we just wanted to check: uh, what did you make of this, uh, you know, transfer window uh, this summer? This uh, you know, incredible summer that we've had. You know, just to generally, obviously. Massive, uh, uh, you know, revolution in Saudi football taking place, and obviously, uh, you know, you keep an eye on all the transfers in Europe uh, and across the globe. Uh, so what did you make of it?
2: Well, I think Saudi Arabia have influenced the market for sure, and you don't have this kind of ambition or spending unless you've pre-planned. And the difference, I think, with the Saudi model is that the deal makers are not only representing one club. So it's a novel situation where they've got appointed agents that are overseeing set leagues. You've got the Ministry of Sport. You've got PIF controlling the four biggest clubs in Saudi Arabia. And then generally, you've got a connection between those at the very top controlling the purse strings and all of the clubs. So this is very strategic. And sometimes the deal makers have gone to clubs and there's been friction because of that. Mitrovic is a good example. Fulham didn't want to sell, but the player pushed the move. and. There's other circumstances where the deals just suit all parties. I think Edward Mendy and Kaladu Koulibaly's moves are examples of that. But this kind of ambition is very planned. So perhaps from the outside in, it appears like it's just money talking. But the reality is that the Saudi deal makers have a strategy in place that isn't about this window. It's between now and 2030 with a view to growing Saudi football. So, what's going to be interesting for me is whether the pace continues, because you do have a slight issue regarding foreign quotas, whereby you can't keep signing this volume of top players every single window without also having outgoings. And in some cases, you will see a player stay for two or three years and then be replaced. But with the likes of Milinkovic-Savic or Neves, the idea is for them to stay for four or five years, which would suggest that the Saudi spending will slow down out of necessity unless the quota becomes bigger as far as foreign players are concerned. And then I think how it's changed the market is just it's inflated prices. It's as simple as that, because if suddenly you know that Saudi Arabian money is there and on good payment terms, even if another club comes in, you can leverage that. And we might still see that with Kylian Mbappe and Real Madrid and suddenly a 300 million euros offer that was failed by Al-Hilal being used as a kind of yardstick to say to any Mbappe suitors, if you want him and he doesn't extend, then you have to pay a little bit more. So that's the kind of Saudi side. And why not have that ambition? Why not spend that level of money? Why not try and become a world's top 10 league and then see where you go from there. And that is essentially the strategy outside of Saudi Arabia. I think Chelsea have influenced the market as well. The Declan Rice deal certainly impacted the valuation on Moises Caicedo, but Chelsea's January spending put a message out there that effectively said, we're prepared to spend bullishly and get who we want now rather than wait or rather than walk away. And that in turn has impacted The price that they had to pay for Caicedo but also Romeo Lavia and I think even Liverpool have fallen victim to that because putting out there even though they failed that they were prepared to pay 111 million for Moises Caicedo meant that suddenly quibbling over a few million for Lavia wasn't going to fly and as a consequence Liverpool have now shown their hand and that they've got financial power even though they said that they'd walked away from the jude bellingham deal because it was too expensive so we're in an inflated market we're in an ambitious market and saudi arabia have certainly played their part in that
1: ben, ben, I've got to ask yeah. you, sorry sorry i yeah. just want to just check in yeah. with ben on this do you think then, in your opinion that that impact on the world transfer market is immediate it's it, it's in play now
2: Yeah, I think it's immediate, but it's whether or not it will remain consistent. We've presumed for quite a while that the market will just go up and up and up to the point of 100 million English pound players. And now we're there. But can it sustain itself? And ultimately, with Saudi Arabia, it's still quite volatile because... First and foremost, they may stop the spending once they get to a level that they want. Second of all, they have to balance the fact that they have these quotas. And third of all, they have to think about grassroots football and local Saudi players. And this was partially the issue or the balance with the Chinese Super League. It wasn't the only factor that led to its undoing, but they spent a load of money. They brought in some star names, but there was a really key requirement to promote Chinese talent to make sure that they had a strong national team. And ultimately, if you develop like the Premier League, the world's top league, it's a meritocracy and you open the door to top players from all around the world and it could potentially impact on your local talent and we've seen this even in the Premier League where a lot of English players don't perhaps get the game time that they would have got either before the Premier League started or in the mid to late 90s. With Saudi Arabia they'll want a strong national team but This is also about bringing top-level sport to Saudi Arabia. It's about putting eyes on that top sport with a global audience. It has the FIFA endorsement. It may tie into the expanded Club World Cup. There's a tourism element as well. So when all of this is added up, how important will it be that players from MENA and specifically Saudi Arabia are in that league? And if it becomes less important, then maybe the very structure and the rules of the league will change and the spending will continue. I don't think it's sustainable as it stands to keep having this kind of window. And I think even Chelsea will have to dial it back. And financial fair play is a factor as well. So I think this window won't be a sign that we're going to keep going up and up and up in value. I think it will be a sign that the financial rules and the way that windows work have to adapt and change. So this is the kind of boom. And then for want of a better word, we'll get a form of bust, but it won't be a a collapse of the market. It will just be more the plateau. It will be perhaps a rule change within financial fair play to kind of level the playing field. And that may take three to five windows to come into play, but we can't have a situation where clubs continue to spend at this volume because it simply won't be sustainable. And I also don't think they're trying to spend at this volume. Chelsea, for example, are not looking to spend for the sake of showing flex. They're looking to spend now to invest in youth. And when they've got that youth, they're reliant on that youth coming through and succeeding. And if they succeed, then in the next three to five windows, Chelsea will have to spend less and less. And as a consequence, this isn't about Chelsea blowing away their competition. It's about perhaps Chelsea in this window spending big now so they don't have to spend as big in future windows.
1: Interesting. Ali? Ben, yeah, Ben.
0: Uh, obviously, uh, there are a few major... I mean, they're, they've all been um, uh, big signings or high-profile signings in Saudi. Uh, the, you know, Obviously, some bigger than others, Benzema. And Neymar are the obvious ones, uh, but for you which which transfers do, do you see like really good value in I mean you've already mentioned Milinkovic-Savage. you know that's a really good one, mm. but you know like other other players that you think have like a little bit more longevity, like good value for money or you know just good value in the long term
2: well, Angolo Kante was a free transfer and still has a little bit of longevity and understands the culture as well out in Saudi Arabia, which is important, so that's one. I think Jordan Henderson could be a good signing. It's not one of the big PIF-led clubs, but at al they've got a very strong ambition and it makes a statement in many ways to say that you took the then Liverpool captain and brought him over to Saudi Arabia. So that's going to be a really interesting one to watch and see how it develops because if British players, English in Henderson's case, enjoy their time in Saudi Arabia, then more may come. And that sort of unlocks the door potentially to a whole new demographic. So Henderson is one of the players that is not just going to be about performing on the field and offering that leadership, but does he enjoy that experience and stay there and see out his contract? And does that then mean that he spreads the word to others that the standard is good enough, that the experience is strong enough, and then more British players follow? And I think that's going to be one of the aims as far as Saudi Arabia is concerned. And then we're looking at some of the younger signings. So Neves was a big fee, but could be good value again if he stays for three to five years. And I spoke to Neves during my time in Riyadh, and he said that him and his family have settled in well there. So he's obviously one to keep an eye on because he falls into that mid-20s category and then I think when you look at some of the other deals that have taken place, we just have to weigh up the value outside of the finances in order to conclude whether the deal is valuable or not. So with Neymar, for example, it's a big feat. PSG have got a great deal there, over 90 million euros. But what can he bring in terms of promoting the league, promoting tourism, promoting wider Saudi Arabia? And this is how the deal makers calculate value. It's not just about the transfer fee. Sometimes the transfer fee is acknowledged as high, but it's an investment, not an expense, because what you get for that transfer fee is things like image rights, marketing, tourism deals, social media posts. So it remains to be seen whether the Ronaldos and the Neymars of this world are actual genuine value. In a financial sense, no, because it's a lot of money over a short space of time. But again, The reason why those fees are so high is because Saudi Arabia see much higher value in other areas. And it's difficult to really put a financial figure on that, because if Neymar is bringing in promotion for Saudi Arabia via social media, if Neymar is bringing in social media followers to Al-Hilal and the Saudi Pro League, if Neymar is indirectly, as with Ronaldo, helping sell television rights, then all of these things you can put a number on. But it's very difficult to determine how accurate that number will be.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, you mentioned Jordan Henderson and purely in football terms, I mean, these are excellent points you're making. Uh, purely in football terms, you know, you said, you mentioned Jordan Henderson. It's a statement signing. You know, you 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 took him off. You know, he's the captain of Liverpool and, we, and he came over. I mean, one one uh, signing, uh, I mean, you could say a, a lot of them are statement signings, but one that really stood out for me, i uh, be interested in your views on it, is Riyad Mahrez. Because again, a player who's relatively still at the peak of his powers, had just won the Champions League, the treble plays for Pep Guardiola, plays probably for the best club side in the world, and chooses to come to Saudi Arabia. You know that, that you know what's your view on that one?
2: Yeah, I think you make a great point and it's another statement signing. And for Mares, I think he felt he'd achieved everything that he wanted at Manchester City. Sometimes when you have glorious success, it brings an end to a chapter because there's no unfinished business. And I think that was what Manchester City's season was all about for a number of their senior players. They'd done it. They'd won it. It was the best time to bow out on a high. And then the offer was there for Mares with good money in a region that he knows relatively well. And for Riyad Mares, this is an opportunity now to be a kind of poster boy for the Saudi Pro League. And that's the difference, I think, with Premier League compared to Saudi Pro League. If you name 10 players that are the face of the Premier League based on last season, you'd be talking about the Haalands and the De Bruyners, and that's only at Manchester City alone. And Riyad Mahrez would be very far down the list. Whereas when you move over to the Saudi Pro League, especially with Mahrez's cultural background you suddenly have not only an established following that he brings to the league but he's one of the top five names in that league and that's why he can again add value and I think he's got a real appetite from talking to those close to the club and also Marez. he's been training really quite fiercely this isn't a move that he sees as retirement in inverted commas obviously money is always going to be a factor. And I think we're naive if we say that these players wouldn't have moved if they weren't earning millions and millions, but that is just football and it's ultimately any transfer. The wage is always going to be a part of it. But I think there's a few players that have preempted the fact that this is only ground level. This is the entry point for the Saudi pro league. So if you move now, then in a year, two years, three years, if you stick around, not only are you going to be one of the pioneers, but you're going to see the league improve. And from my time out there, I think that's the main point with all of this, that if you only look at the big clubs of which Mahrez is part of, they've got established fan bases. There's a football culture there. We saw that in the World Cup in Qatar as well. But beyond those four clubs, there's more work to be done because the stadiums are not all developed. The infrastructure is not all developed. The commercial plan is not all developed. And these are the areas that need to catch up. Because when you move so fast and spend so big and sign these top stars, everything else suddenly has to improve. Because guess what? There's more media interest. There's more television interest. There's more commercial interest. So then when you go away at Al Itifak, for example, Steven Gerrard's club and your Al Nasser, which was the opening game of the season for Cristiano Ronaldo's club, have you got the right infrastructure? Have you got your match day minus one press conferences? Does the away club, when it's smaller, have the right media facilities? Does it have internet in the media centre? Is it equipped for the level of interest? Can it accommodate the same kind of cameras that the Saudi Pro League want, like sliders and drones? And all of these little things are still lacking. So I think from an infrastructure point of view, the Saudi Pro League still has some work to do, especially outside of its big four clubs. But obviously, from a recruitment perspective, they're already ahead of their original strategy and they've had an excellent summer.
1: Brilliant. Listen, Ben, we're almost out of time, but I get to ask the best question. The last one. (laughs) The the question to Jacobs from me. Finally, any potential signings we should keep an eye out uh, for before the end of this window?
2: Well, what I'd say is that the Saudi Pro League window for top flight teams closes on the 7th of September, which means when the European window shuts, there's seven days. And that's going to create a really interesting dynamic. So I would look out for Romelu Lukaku if he doesn't find a club in Europe then Chelsea are going to be pushing him towards Saudi Arabia and Al-Hilal may be off the table now because Mitrovic has gone there, but the deal makers often allocate the club at the last minute. So just because the club changes, it doesn't take the deal off the table. And then there's a lot of talk about Mo Salah. I think it's going to be very difficult because Liverpool don't want to sell. You can never say never due to the ambition of the Saudi Pro League, but Liverpool's position is not for sale. Salah's position is he's committed to Liverpool So keep an eye on that one more for 2024. And that's the thing that this forward window planning is really not only about scrambling in the next two weeks. It's about January. It's about 2024. And in 2024, there's players like Kevin De Bruyne, still Mo Salah, if we don't see a surprise move over the course of the next few days, which is obviously highly unlikely. And one or two other names like Son at Spurs that are all there on the list, all potential names. So this isn't only about the now, they're already planning two or three windows ahead. But I would keep an eye on Lukaku because there's no real progress at the moment with Juventus. Maybe that will change in the next few days because everybody has to get a move on now. But if the European window shuts and he's still at Chelsea, then Chelsea are certainly going to be pushing him towards Saudi Arabia.
1: Fantastic. Fascinating stuff, as always. Great to have you and great to see you, Ben. Uh, we hoped, again, that you can afford us some time before the end of the season on Dowry, and we look forward to chatting again.
2: Always a pleasure, guys. Keep up the good work. Speak soon.
1: Super stuff from Ben Jacobs. Look forward to having him feature again on Dowry very soon in the near future. At this point, we bring in our correspondent, Khaled al Arafa after he was at the heart of one of world football's biggest events last week. Khaled, tell us about being the MC at Neymar's unveiling.
3: Hi Ali, hi Peter, how are you guys? Uh, last week was uh, really interesting. Uh, starting from the biggest match of the week, uh, it was al against Al-Ta'awun. It was in al Awal Park, the stadium of al nassr al nassr lost second match in a row. Uh, which was surprising for Nasser fans, uh, very amazing for Ta'Awan fans. I went directly, because I was covering the match, as you know, Ali, I went directly to Sid Omane and I asked him in the Flash interview, what happened to Nasser today? And the guy just said directly, we did not deserve to win the match. We didn't play well. And then he said, at the end of his speech, he said, I just advise the players to sleep well and to eat well and to come back with full of energy that gives us a sign that the team was exhausted. If you go back, Ali, for the, the last month and a half, and Nasser was in Portugal while they were camping there. They played three matches and then they moved to Japan, to the Japan tour where they played against PSJ and Inter Milan. And then the next day they flew to Al while they participated in the King Salman's Cup for Club, which they won it actually. But then they moved to Riyadh to start the league. So maybe the team was exhausted. Let's wait and see. And uh, even this week as well, uh, they played against Ahli Dubai for the qualification uh, matches to participate in the Champions League of Asia. They won, but they were losing against uh, until the 85th minute 2-1. And then the remontada came and they finished the game with 4-2. Uh, well, good thing that the team won, but, you know, the fans are still uh, concerned about the team. On the other hand, uh, as well, I had the honour to be the MC of uh, uh, the ceremony when the Hilal were c- welcomed their players, starting from the Brazilian, Malcolm, and then the goalkeeper, the Moroccan goalkeeper, uh, Yassine Buno, ending uh, the welcoming ceremony with the Brazilian legend, the captain of Brazil, Neymar. Uh, it was uh, an unforgettable night, uh, Sixty thousands at King Fahad Stadium. The ceremony was amazing. Even Neymar, when I asked him about his feeling, he said uh, he's really happy. And uh, he sent a message to the fans saying, enjoy the year, uh, this year. And uh, he's hoping to write uh, history with uh, the blue team. So uh, it was a really interesting week. Let's hope that continues every week and week. Back to you, Ali. And good luck, guys.
1: Our team, as always, present at all the major happenings in Saudi football. Uh, Finally, Ali, looking ahead. What's your pick of the matches this, this time out?
0: Well, uh, I can't see anything but wins for the top three. Uh, okay. On Thursday, I expect al Ittihad to maintain their lead at the top of the table uh, when, they, when they go to Riyadh. Uh, and there should be three points for Al-Ahli and Itifak as well. Uh, really, I expect the top three to have, you know, if not comfortable wins, expected wins, should we say. Uh, Al-Hilal have a chance to get back to winning ways when they visit al ride Again, I expect them... Improvement from them. Uh, perhaps, the, uh, you know, all the excitement uh, of the Neymar unveiling took away from the match uh, last time round. But they'll be focused on, you know, they, they would need their three points, you know. Uh, it, it doesn't take too many uh, matches without a win for it to be noticed at al Hilal. I was so just going to say that you need uh, yeah. to
1: stay in touch, especially, yeah, 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 I mean, especially with the leaders leading.
0: Exactly. And, you know, you know, as we said, we expect, if we expect the, the leaders to get, uh, you know, maximum points of nine points uh, uh, after three matches, then Al-Hilal cannot afford to fall behind. Uh, but probably the biggest match of the week in terms of, you know, consequences and what's, uh, what's riding on it uh, is Al-Nasser playing at Al-Fatih. You know, they, as we said earlier, they might have won the King Salman Cup and just progressed to the Champions League group stages but anything other than a win, and Al Nassr will really be in crisis, Peter. You know, even uh, this early in the season, um, you know, with the, you know, with players like Cristiano, Talisca, uh, uh, Sadio Mane in the team, they really should be delivering more in the SPL. You know, two defeats is is already too too many. You know, and uh, um, it, like I said, you know, they n- nothing but three points will do this weekend for them.
1: I've got a question for you, Ali, and it's it's a relevant one given. The, 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 you know, we're, we're well into it now. The excitement is, is is building, of course, all these new players, this, this new league. Now, bearing in mind in football and soccer in this part of the world anyway, prior to this new dawn, the pressure is immense on coaches. It must be even more so now, given the fact that the the, the money spent on these top, top quality players.
0: Absolutely. I mean, you know, there's, uh, you know, this part of the world uh, in, uh, in Saudi Arabia, in the UAE as well, in Qatar and other GCC countries and all that. You know, there's been a bit of a history of, you know, managers coming and going. A uh, bit of, uh, you know, club, uh, club management sometimes not being very patient with bad results and all that. Uh, so that already existed. And as you say, with what's at stake now, That pressure is ramped up, and look, I mean, not that I would advocate managers losing their jobs any time, or certainly after a few matches, but when you've spent you know this amount of money on these type of players, you know, you expect instant results. You don't expect uh, betting in. You know, if you've got Ronaldo and Sadio Mane. And Taliska leading your uh, <laughs> your team, and you know uh, Brozo, Brozovic behind them. You know it, it's it's uh, you know you're, you're not going to wait, sit around and wait for results to come. You know you want them to come
1: instantly. Absolutely, couldn't have put it better myself. Another big, huge, let's say huge round of matches await us. That's it from us on Dowry. Thank you, as always, for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you again next week courtesy of us here at Arab News.